We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? Welcome into your All-22 Film Breakdown podcast. It's going to be delivered for you every Tuesday. This one's getting out a little late because my Monday was chaotic trying to actually watch the film. So, uh, like I said, a lot of great information here on your All-22 Breakdowns. If you're new to this show, we go through the offense and defense, talk about scouting notes, things I watched, realized, thought about, and then we'll talk about player grades as well. And then we have a new wrinkle this year where we'll do a little opener with Andrew Spade right off the bat to talk about things relevant to Kevin Stefanski's first speech after the game, you know, going over whatever injury stuff is out there and known, anything from the game that is interesting, and then obviously hit on maybe some Monday Night Football or something like that, some around the NFL picture stuff too. So uh, the, uh, the openers will vary in length, but I think it will ultimately be really good to add some texture to a show that is looking back, but it's also okay to look a little bit forward too. So opening up with Andrew, and then we will get to the All-22 Breakdown after the break and listen i want to give another shout out to mike skinner who's going to give you the intro to this podcast we're going to try to update it as much as we can it won't have jim donovan all year we'll use some chris rose we'll use some different stuff throughout the season but really excited to uh, have an updated intro throughout the year with some audio from brown's wins that can get you a little bit fired up so shout out to mike skinner he's on twitter uh, at mike skinner and obviously he's got the three n's in the name he'll he'll be able to help with any audio needs you might have so thanks to mike again and let's get started with the latest obr film breakdown watson turns rolls out to the right looks open touchdown harrison bryant wide open the tight end on the right side and with nine Left to go in the ball game. It's beginning to feel like a Browns win today. Right, reshaping a little bit of the All-22 Breakdown podcast you get by doing an opening. I think an opening is sometimes important to discuss some elements of the Browns, the surrounding NFL that happens in uh, a Monday, right? You got a Monday night football game. You got a lot of discussion. You get you get Kevin Stefanski quotes. Unfortunately, we only hear from Kevin day after the game. But nonetheless, there's a lot to be learned. So... I want to do these all 22 film breakdowns where we cover offense and defense and get with Andrew for a, a, an open. We'll see these might range from five minutes to 15. Who knows? We'll just go where the wind takes us. Andrew, speaking of the wind taking us, we watched the, the, the Buffalo bills uncircle the wagons tonight. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. is probably how you would say it. Mm-hmm. An all time clunker. I, I, I will ask you this. Aaron Rodgers goes out the first series. Do you think that that, plays a little bit into being as flippant as they were 
in this game, like kind of losing. I think the Jets talked about their energy went down, but it feels like the Bills, you probably start to say, all right, you know, it's Zach Wilson. Mm -hmm. We'll figure this out on offense. Josh made Josh plays. He's his stuff from the beginning of 2022 in terms Mm -hmm. of the turnover numbers is really dicey. Buffalo fans don't want to talk about that. Yep. I think that that cuts both ways, right? You don't want to overreact, but you can also say in a vacuum, the two AFC teams with the most impressive performances were the Dolphins hanging 40-plus points on the Chargers and then the Browns beating the Bengals by 21 points at home. I mean, I think that's, you know, and and it really is kind of a pick-your-poison of would you rather, you know, put up 500-plus yards of offense and just – you know, ether a, a team completely by throwing the ball over the yard, or would you rather see a balanced team win, which is really what the Browns put out there? For me, if I'm talking about what works over the long haul, I think we saw the Dolphins, they can do that to teams where they they absolutely torch teams. They did it to the Browns last year. They mm-hmm. also can have games where that stuff doesn't work. They're not able to find their rhythm, and it, it's not as consistent. I think the the of the teams in week one, if I had to choose one team in the AFC that I was most impressed by, it would be the Browns. Now, that does not mean they are the best team in the AFC all of a sudden. It is one week, and it is the first week, which is the easiest week to get things wrong in. Mm-hmm. But if you had to choose between being the worst team out there and being the best team out there, you'd, you'd rather be the best team. I think the the indicators are really strong for the Browns being a team that look I mean, I, I know that Watson was an uneven, but the offensive execution overall was really strong. And obviously the defensive execution, I think, was really strong. So I like where the team is at. And I think you got to feel pretty good about the, you know, the the trend, I guess is the way that I say it. The, the trend is strong right now. Yeah, the footballs will dry out. The quarterback play will get better. I, I don't know how That's much right. better Watson will be, but you're not going to be dealing with some of the weirdness. And Kevin Stefanski talked about that today where he said it wasn't coming down in droplets. It was almost arriving in sheets. I, I, I from everyone mm-hmm. I talked to both at the game and we've heard from those people in the game. It was yeah. way worse than people understand. And um, I think that'll get better. Long story short, but to your point there, which I think is very well taken. It's funny. You sit back and watch the teams who lose week one, doing the same old routine. It's not a big deal. It's going to be okay. In the national perspective, people are doing the same thing with the Bengals, almost just brushing, brushing completely past, completely dismissing it and, and, and giving Watson a hard time from that game, which I find to be just unfathomable considering watching those two play. So again, I get it. The Watson hasn't done it in three years and Burrow's been a lead recently. I, I get all that, but you know, if we're just judging what we've seen, I mean, that was really rough. And it's not like Cincinnati is in Florida. I mean, they're in they're in Cincinnati, <laughs> right? Like, it's going to yeah. get gnarly there, too, at times. But I think, you, you know, to add to your point about those teams with great wins, the Browns obviously, you know, are in that mix. The Jets, too, right? The Jets, too, get thrown For in sure. there because to lose, you know, wouldn't, and this happens because of hard knocks, but just an unbelievable amount of buildup. For this season, and oh, I yeah. know you've been well oh, documented, yeah. and I've felt this too that it was going to crash and burn at some point with Rodgers. But to lose him like that and then come back and win is really impressive. And mm-hmm. you know, Robert Sala, I think, takes a lot of unfair heat because they he hasn't, I mean, now certainly because Rodgers isn't going to be a part of things, he gets his guys to play, and that's oh, you yeah. know, that's fascinating. And, and a great quality as a coach as we look around the AFC North and see some of those coaches too that get their guys to play. But I think the thing for the Jets is like, yeah, it's a great win, but would you trade a healthy Rodgers for losing that game? You probably would, right? Like, I think that there's right. just some of that stuff. The same with like 
the Chiefs' loss feels different, right? You're missing Travis Kelsey. You're missing your your gravity, right? That everything about the, the outside of Mahomes, you know, guy who pushes it downfield type of gravity, you kind of yeah. change the vibe around that. So I don't know, man. The AFC is is wide open. It was a weird week one in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. And to, you, to that point, Jake, uh, just looked at I just looked at Twitter. We're recording right after that game ended, and Salah said it's the Achilles for Rogers. Okay, so he's done. If, and if yeah. the way yeah, he I mean, went down, I, I'm just I'm seeing that right yeah. now as we're talking. But yeah, yeah, the way he went down was reminiscent of a lot of guys who have just they, they stand up after you you do some Achilles are like instant ankle grab, heel grab. Right. Some are like that felt weird. I stand up and I can't like that's not right. Like you feel that tug instantly. Yep. Um, you know, you, you notice guys doing that. I didn't see so, J.K. Dobbins Achilles issue yesterday. Uh, come it was to similar to, to Rogers. It was yeah. the same sort of fol- folding type thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's it, it just it, to, to your point, the you know, I mean, we we like I said, we talked a lot preseason about how many teams there are in the AFC and it's loaded and all these sorts of things. And it, it, and certainly it, it, you saw the Jets are not going to be a team to dismiss. Right. You don't chalk that up as an easy W because. I think it's early enough in the season that it makes sense for them to go, if this is all true and Rodgers is done for the year, I think it makes sense for them to go try and find another quarterback. It does. I mean, they, they, they're 1-0, and they've got, obviously, a Super Bowl-caliber defense. So I think they have to try and make a trade. And so, you know, or, or is there a free agent quarterback that, that they think could do it? I, I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and try and play this all out in real time, but I think the sure. point is is that you're not going to dismiss this team Based on the way they played tonight, I don't think you can dismiss the Jets even if they don't have Aaron Rodgers for the season. You get, you've got Garrett Wilson. You've got obviously a very strong running game and a great defensive performance tonight against Josh Allen. Not just the Josh Allen dropping the ball, you know, throwing it to the other team, but but just overall defensively. They are, they are like you said, solid gets them to play so hard, and they're just a bunch of mean dudes. It yeah. just doesn't look fun to play them at all. So No, it's not. Yeah, I think they're still in the, in the mix of things, actually. And, and you're right, I think – I think that win, considering the circumstances, is right up there with what the Dolphins and the Browns did in terms of, you know, really pulling it together. Yeah, they deserve a ton of credit for that thing. And and again, I don't know how serious it can be. How, who is even, you know, Trey Lance was a guy you'd consider, but he was dealt like, you know, yeah. well, Carson Dobbs Wentz moved. is the biggest free that's, agent. That's name. probably it. But is Carson Wentz? You Which start is, to value his Carson. No, Wentz I know. Great. I, I know. I know. I'm just like, yeah. Th- it's hard to just say. <clears throat> Like, let's go get a quarterback, but who's actually sitting out there that you feel right. is actually right. going to provide something that you give up a meaningful piece? Is like Zach Wilson going to be the same? And I would just, to me, honestly, I feel good enough about Salah and I feel good enough about their core that I would just run it out completely with Zach Wilson, figure yeah. it out. To I, I see the argument. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I see the argument. Um, let's stop talking about the Jets, though. That's that's coming <laughs> on. Let's, we'll, we'll talk about injuries, though. The Browns and really the FC yeah. North. We mentioned J.K. Dobbins, who just can find. No NFL. Ohio State got his best years, which is sad to say. Yeah, because it's a shame. He is a he is a fantastic player when he's healthy, and for him to not find real NFL health is is like you said a shame. So they lose a key part of their offense. They'll probably elevate Melvin Gordon, right? They'll bring him back off the practice squad. That will make some sense to do. And then I think the thing you you look around the division, Cincinnati seems to be relatively healthy. If Burroughs fine, I did not see anything come out about injuries there. But the Steelers lost a really important, I mean, as important a piece as it gets in Cam Hayward to a groin injury that's going to require some surgery, so he's going to be out. We'll talk about that later in the week, the ramifications for the Browns. But the big news for the Browns is what we all dreaded and thought was going to happen based on what you saw on TV, which is Jack Conklin tears the ACL and MCL in his left knee in a really freak play 
where Trey Hendrickson slings into his leg and it sucks, right? So, you know, you 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 try to pull back some of this stuff because for Jack Conklin with the I think he had the hip. He's had a lot of different he, he's torn an ACL before, which is which is a large reason he got out of Tennessee was because of an ACL tear. So he's been beat up. It's been a rough career. The interesting thing was that the Browns gave him two years guaranteed 30 million. He's in that first year of the deal, right? So he's getting his money. Now you bring him back, and I think you start to look at, you know, people will talk about is Jack Conklin going to be done? Is he going to retire? I don't know Jack Conklin's age. He was in the Corey Coleman draft. He's he's not that old, is he? Is he even 30 yet? I don't know that off the top of my head. Maybe maybe you do, Andrew, but he's not that not old. Off the top of my head, it's he's close. Yeah, so he's not crazy old, but you do start to again, guys have season in multiple season ending injuries over the course of three, four years. It just yeah, wears just on you. Yeah, it wears on you. So I don't expect him to retire. Uh, I would not be surprised if he retires, but I would not expect right. that given he has 15 million guaranteed next year. But this is a real opportunity for Dewan Jones, right? It is a real opportunity that you don't always get. And he was fine in this game. I think there was some run game stuff that he, he would like to clean up, but he's, he's a solid pass protector, Andrew. And, um, you know, it's just, it sucks for Jack. It really does. But I guess a little bit of it in the spin cycle we're doing here is, you know, it's a nice opportunity for Dewan Jones. And I, and I, I kind of pat the Browns on the back for giving themselves the chance to have somebody there to do that. Right. Like to, to be able to step in and play and have a chance to be a real contributor at, at right tackle. So the timeline gets rushed here, but it is, um, you know, it might not be awful. It's kind of what I'm saying. I think he can step in and play okay. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's so interesting because I think there's a lot of other positions on this team. If the starter suffered an ACL week one, we'd be we would be bereft. We'd be freaking out. Browns fans, people mm-hmm. that cover the team, would be like, "This is, you know, this is a disaster." But because it's this specific position, and Dewan Jones played so much in the preseason and looked so good when he played for a fourth round rookie, not so good in some sort of objective sense. He's not Tristan Wirfs out there. Right. But like so solid and, and reliable, especially in pass protection for a fourth round rookie draft pick that it almost becomes not as big of a deal. And I think, I think in some ways maybe we're underestimating how big of a deal it is because there is a ready made replacement, so to speak Uh, because Jack Conklin when he is right is, you know, has made all pro teams, right? Mm -hmm. He's one of the better right tackles in the league at his best. And so, you know, if, if the Browns got that type of a season from him, the, the, you know, the upside for their, the right side of their offensive line is really, really high between Teller and Conklin. And I think if Jones can be okay. And as you said, it's a wonderful opportunity for the young man, but I don't think his upside is that right. And so, um, you know, I think the, the, the book from the preseason was that his pass protection was, was strong and his run blocking really left something to be desired up to, and including missing some assignments from time to time, like not knowing plays. Right. Yeah. And we saw a little bit of that again yesterday. So, um, that to me, it, I, I, I know that everybody loves the story. I think he gets a little bit of a bump because he's an Ohio state kid. Right. I think. Browns fans typically love an Ohio State kid. Mm-hmm. I am pretty bummed about the Jack Conklin situation because I think 
you can you can make the argument in terms of his career accomplishments he's the second best uh, you know i think it's a pretty clear argument that he's the second best offensive lineman on the browns right behind joel batonio so losing that player week 1 is a a huge bummer and it is a great opportunity for Dewan Jones, but like I, <laughs> I just don't want us to be too hasty to be like, well, the guy's really tall and heavy, so he's probably it's fine, you know. Like it's this is this is going to hurt the Browns. It really is. Yeah, it hurts a lot of things. It hurts, you know, depth and practice and stuff. It just there's a lot of things here, and and Dewan might be okay. We'll see. It's too early to tell. I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, you're encouraged not, I, about like his early performances, and we're definitely. optimistic. What there's no reason to not yes. be optimistic. But right, that's not. I'm not saying that I'm pessimistic. I'm no, just saying no. that we know what we had in Jack Conklin, and I know yeah. that he's been hurt, and so people haven't seen it. But when Jack Conklin, go back and watch some of that film from 2020, and he's dominating in yeah. the run. I mean, truly taking two guys out on plays like he he is the definition of a road grader, and that level of of play at the at the high end, you're just not going to get from a rookie tackle. I don't think so. Uh, it's not to, to be pessimistic about Jones at all, just to say that Conklin is a really good player and his absence will be felt. But yeah, yeah I, he's, I mean, Jones is... He's been a preeminent um, zone-blocking yeah. tackle for a long time. He's got two all-pros in his, right. in his resume. Like, And right. you can pick apart that, and some people might say some of the you know, one or two of those he didn't deserve. But those are voted on, and it, you, know, you get a level of respect because of that. The Browns signed him. Everybody was very excited because, like I said, he is one of the best outside zone blocking tackles in the NFL. I think he returned yeah. to that form. He, he's, I think he's got some anchoring issues as a right tackle mm-hmm. that have caused him pass rush stuff, and that's something Dewan doesn't struggle with as much. But right. he does alter right. some of your run game stuff because, like Ohio State, they did run some outside zone, and it's not foreign to Dewan, but that's not their bread and butter, and that's not that's not who he is uh, as a, as an offensive tackle, the size he is, the weight he carries. He is, you know, yeah. as we know, a bass form basketball player, surprisingly nimble and he's, he's able to move, but like him doing that 15 times a game, that's a burden, right? right? It's a burden. And mm-hmm. some of the stuff they do moving their tackles and pin pool where Conklin's able to get out and run. Like it just, it changes a little bit of how you operate as an offense. Yes. And I'm sure they will, yes. they will do some things differently this week. Now, again, as far as like, Hey, I got my first NFL start. Well, TJ Watts going to be across from you 100% yeah. of the game. That's going to be a huge test for him. You know, I wanted to ask you about that. Do you think there's any chance they go to James Hudson? I don't or you think it's a hundred percent. I saw some people float that out today. There's no chance. Yeah, that's why he I'm was, asking. Cause was, I, 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 it didn't occur to me either, but then I saw other people talking about it and, to me, Jones is, I mean, through the preseason was so much better that it just seems clear to go with the, the young player. And what does Hudson struggle with? He struggles with anchor. And what does TJ Watt bury right. you with? Speed to power. Exactly. Like, well, yeah. makes right. absolutely yeah. no sense to make that move. Now, I, 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 guess, I guess if Dewan has been practicing horribly and they don't like, it's not impossible here, but that make, right. that move would make no sense to me given how much time you've invested snaps in, in, in not just training camp and preseason but like getting him ready to play right tackle even into the regular season and then they threw him in if they did not believe in him they would not have thrown him in to that tight right game. i don't even care how many snaps hudson's had left or right he's played right tackle enough he started the first two games last year so like exactly th- yeah. they like I- him at right tackle i think it's pretty clear and i don't and again like if you're just talking about this game specifically alone i have mm. no comfort in throwing james hudson who we've seen this script <laughs> yeah. we've seen it yeah. so i don't want right. to see it again and, and 2021 week 17 right for sure i don't want to see it again yeah. so i i just i, I, I they're just gonna help to him. the question because i saw it around but i agree with you he's it, it makes way more sense to go with jones it does it, and they'll help him they'll chip they'll do some different things but i really wouldn't be surprised 
I know this is early in the week and we're feeling Monday night optimistic. I would not be surprised if he holds <laughs> his own is what I'm saying, mm-hmm. because he mm-hmm. can run the arc fairly well. And if mm-hmm. TJ feels like he can't run through the torso of this gigantic human being, because he really anchors extremely, it's one of the best parts of his game is that he can handle the bull rush stuff because again, he's a, a freaky human being like, right. then you have a chance to handle TJ. What TJ will win some reps. He's an all pro. He's one of the best. He's miles yeah. Garrett for them all the above like it's going to happen but i do think there's a i feel cautiously optimistic about his matchup here now Mm -hmm. i do think like i said Mm -hmm. there will be ramifications in the run game and who knows but i'm cautiously optimistic about what he will be able to do in that game and again losing hayward in this situation who's always given joel batonio big fits that's right again we'll dig into this way deeper later in the in the week but like the the way he's always given Joel mm-hmm. Fitz, you're always cognizant of that. And like, you know, con- committing center help that direction. There are just some things they can do. And, and I, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm optimistic about that. So that's probably it. That's all the big Browns news that's out there. I mean, the PFF grade stuff, Andrew, as we close this opening was um, weird. I think it's, it's like you watch the game and then you turn for me, I do not put much stock into PFF grades, but if I'm watching the game, the same as somebody who's doing it and getting paid some money, I would presume yeah. that I'm not that far off from a person if I think they played well or poorly. And the grades today, listen, their coverage grades I don't like. There are things they do at PFF that I like. There are things they do that I just am like, what are you guys, how are you guys going about it? That makes no sense. Yeah. Their coverage grade stuff continues to be baffling to me. The Browns covered so well. Like Martin Emerson gave up one catch for six yards and six targets and gets like a 55 coverage grade. In what world is that a yeah. thing? Like, I think you yeah. had mentioned before we started the show, it's a pandemic feels like around the NFL right now. I know PFF brings yes. in a bunch of different analysts to do the games on the initial watch and grade, and they maybe will go back and revise some things, but you just got to be careful with taking these game grades as gospel. When you're watching yeah. the Browns dominate the Bengals offense and then getting like two players that graded three players that graded excellent grade, like, like, what are we doing? Yeah, man? What are we doing? It's a little bit of a public service announcement, right? Because I think it's, you know, we're we're living in a in a world where it it you crave Monday so so much is about quantifying what you saw on Sunday right and yeah. so all day it's just numbers and charts and highlights and people breaking down all twenty two it's just kind of a it's a steady stream of re dissecting what happened the day before and one feature of that is these PFF grades which are so intuitive to understand because they're kind of scaled like Madden right so you know when it's a when it's a base hundred scale. And everything's clustered around, you know, 60 or 70, whatever it is. What's average for them? Base is 65, right? Or 60? Something like that, man. Yeah. So so it just becomes, it's a little intuitive for people. And so it's very easy for PFF grades to just get kind of kicked around because they're so easy to understand. And I just think this is a little PSA that not only the Browns, but I I saw people that cover the Packers and people Mm -hmm. that, uh, a a guy that writes for, covers the Texans taking issue with text uh, to with PFF grades for players uh, either, be, you know, being mostly being too low. And so, um, you know, I think it's league wide and I think that it's an open question about where it goes, but I think it's just worth mentioning, right. That like, it wasn't just like some sort of Brown's bias. There's, there seems to be <laughs> something different in the special sauce this year. We'll see if it rectifies itself, but it is yeah. um, pretty strange where those are. And especially like, I mean, I, I've always found some to disagree with, but if the majority are just off, you're just like can really confused about that. So we'll see yeah. if they fix I it. I did a lot of frowning at my phone. Today. Yeah, my eyebrows were furled 
<laughs> put it that way. All right. Yes. When we close here, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question out the door. The Great. Jets call the Browns tomorrow and they say, mm-hmm. hey, we'll give you a two for Dorian Thompson Robinson. Are you doing it? Yeah, for a two. I think you got to do it, right? Just saying. It'd be kind of interesting to see if like they're looking for a young preseason darling. And that's why you drafted Dorian Thompson Robinson, right? Yeah. Uh, is to, yeah. Is to be able to make I think you do it for trade. a two. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, right. He's, he's, he's the backup, you know, for a few years, but at some point, if he continues to do what he did this preseason, he'll get trade interest. And, and the, the Browns would be silly not to capitalize on that because they, you know, have committed so much to their starting quarterback. There's no chance he's going to be the starting quarterback in Cleveland. So if you can get something, whether it's now or in the future, you, you take it. But, uh, Having said that, I would be, I mean, one, I would be very interested to see how that looks for him in mm-hmm. New York. And two, uh, I would I would be sad because uh, it's been one of the most enjoyable parts of the preseason is watching that kid play. So um, missing out on that. But I guess watching him play in New York would be a thrill in a different way. So, yeah, I think I think you'd have to do it if it was a, if it was a two. I, I think I honestly think anything less than that. And I think I, I would turn it down, though. Yeah. And it's hard to see it become a one unless something really awful happens to Deshaun, which I guess if he continues to take the hits that he took running in the open field, it is not impossible. Yeah, he got smoked. I will just say I was totally wrong, man. I think that there's Mahomes treatment and there's nothing else because like if you watch, (laughs) if you watch how Detroit handled that dude in the open field, there was genuine fear to hit him. And you watch like the Bengals are teeing off any chance they can get on Deshaun. I was watching Josh Allen tonight. Like, yeah, he and got he's lit up a few times. Self-inflicted on some of that stuff. Oh, but, for sure. Yeah. But he is yeah. taking hits, man. So, you know, yeah. again, if they call with something serious like a two, it's it's certainly worth entertaining. And I would just be curious because uh the the Jets are gonna be looking. They're gonna be looking. There's no way they can really just sit on their hands. Um, you know, it doesn't just looking doesn't mean they're gonna actually make a deal or a signing, but it's hard right. to just feel like, ah, oh, we'll figure it out with Zach Wilson. You know, the worst case scenario is you run about out there every week and you make that ultimate decision on him on, on your roster. I know they kind of were like hoping to stash him for a year and get him to learn from Aaron and steal his mechanics, which is so funny to me watching like him and Jordan love take like all of Aaron Rodgers' quick twitch mm. side, like the way he like toe tap foot thing he does. It's like, okay, so you guys are just watching him and you're just trying to steal every piece of uh, like, like, like Kobe watching Michael Jordan back in the day, just taking everything you can from that guy's game. That's interesting. So uh, I don't know a lot. A lot going on. The Monday Night Football game was wild. The AFC is wild, um, and and the AFC North is going to be interesting. It's a huge week too, with a, with a really big game between the Browns and Steelers. And and like we said, we'll see how they fare without Jack Conklin. That's a fun opener, Andrew. We appreciate your time, man. It's always a pleasure, Jake. Uh, I just I I'm going to tag one thing here because I've been thinking about this while you're talking, and I I just want to get my crazy Jets quarterback trade prediction out there. Okay, want to be the first guy on the market with this, Kirk Cousins. All right, I'm done. It's interesting. It's very interesting. I saw somebody say if they called, if the Jets called for Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah, that's another good and one. offered a one, yeah, because a, a reminder that trade, the issue there with Rodgers is not only does it impact the Jets clearly, right? They have to play him seventy percent of snaps this year for the Packers to get that first round conversion, right? And that's so that becomes locked back. now to the second, and so yep. the first is back on the table. Yep. So we'll yeah. see how desperate they are to win because you'd be giving up a one and a two uh, in, right, in exactly. the draft. So, yeah. all right. Good stuff, man. We appreciate it. Thanks again, Jake. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? It's Jake again, here to talk about what I do believe is the premium place to buy tickets for your NFL season this year. You go into Browns games, trying to find the best prices. Should you wait? Should you not? You know, week one is creeping up on us, but there are some really fun games on that home schedule, and you can get any of them using the GameTime app. That is GameTime.co if you're on the web browser, but the app is where it's at. Shouldn't be stressful to buy tickets, and man, game time's the fastest, easiest way to buy those tickets for any sporting event, local, whether it's, like I said, you're going to Browns games, or you want to go to concerts, comedy, theater, anything. They got killer last-minute deals, price guarantee, all the stuff you need so you can stop stressing over tickets, start getting hyped up for the fun you'll have. Right? Go to the game time app. I do it all the time, looking at trying to take my nephews to an Ohio State game this year. You know, the, the experience of looking at not just the, the best deals, the flash deals, right? Those last minute deals you can unlock, but also being able to look at the stadium map and pick out where you want to sit and get the picture from, you know, where the spot in the stadium is. And then again, the lowest price guarantee, cancellation event protection, job loss protection, all of that stuff just makes it even better. It's the place to go for last minute tickets, or to be honest, even when you're planning ahead, I think it is 100% the place to go. And Again, you, you have a fantastic mobile app. You can go online. You can look at those seats. They're sent directly to your phone, those tickets are. You don't have to dig through your email. Two taps, you're set. Everything you need is at game time. So download the game time app, create an account, use the promo code OBR, very simply, OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code OBR, $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's cover the Browns all 22. There's a lot going on here. It was a fun game. We'll start with offense. So I know we're all a little bit disappointed by the offense. I think when you look at the high range view here, I don't know if that's the way to say it, 
but you know, kind of zoom out, right? They, I thought, had a really good game plan uh, that they clearly altered. The offense felt a lot like last year, and again, obviously this is because of the rain and all of the elements surrounding the game, but I thought they did a nice job creating opportunities for the quarterback and really putting up, I think, a better effort than what 24 points ended up being. You know, if you take out the tipped interception from Watson, which I'm not sure that ball gets completed, but it was a turnover, as we know. Uh, I don't think it is cl- is clearly not as bad as it looked on television. And, and like I said, he's trying to hit Elijah Moore in, in a window working away from him. He needs to just run that uh, in that scenario because he had open space. But I see what he was trying to do. Nonetheless, you don't turn it over there. You don't have the Jerome Ford fumble. Then in the first quarter, you can see where they would have you know, racked up some points here. So I think they were better than you think they were, but there's still clearly some things to clean up. They had 45 plays of 11 personnel. So that was a pretty good uptick, even though, you know, obviously you're, you're dealing with weather conditions that don't really help you play out of 11 personnel all too effectively. They ran 12 personnel, one tight end, uh, sorry, one running back, two tight ends four times. So not quite as much as I thought there, which was interesting. And then, they ran 12, um, sorry, 13 personnel, which is a thing that they've kind of been working away from, but they ran it a lot in this one and largely driven by the fourth quarter trying to put the game away. They ran that 14 times. Um, 26 snaps of motion. I'd like that to be a little bit higher, but again, given the conditions and stuff like that, I'm not going to say that the offense, the way they want it to be structured, is uh, was currently out there. So Bengals gave them 49 snaps in nickel, six snaps in dime. Uh, all six of those dime snaps came on third down, so... Not at all surprising to me. The Bengals did not want to be in base. They have two linebackers they trust. They trust the hell out of Mike Hilton, and none of that is surprising, even as the Browns' personnel shifted to bigger personnel. So, uh, obviously, a chunk of those uh, would be in the, uh, you know, if you're talking about 56 of 74 when the Browns only had 45-11 personnel snaps. That's the Bengals saying, we don't care. And they played well. That's a, that's a pretty good defense. I think the Bengals are going to have a lot of defensive success this year. Those secondary players that are young, are very fast. They can move. They can cover ground. I was impressed. But again, the Browns did a nice job of getting some players open. Uh, only two inside zone snaps, one of which came off of an RPO. Would love to see that uptick. 13 outside zone snaps, some from pistol, some from under center. I don't mind that number in this game, given the weather conditions and the end of the game where you're running like eight snaps, 10 snaps, trying to just run the clock out. Power counter, eight power snaps, seven counter snaps. These guys still love their gap concepts and then they ran their pin pull largely from the gun kind of keeping to who they are so I would say not a ton of change from the umbrella of this offense they had some fun plays that little windback quarterback you know Deshaun Watson is a popularized play by Kansas with two quarterbacks in the backfield running that little flat down the line hand it to the quarterback he winds back turns back I thought it could have been a touchdown Watson needed to lead Marquise Goodwin more but also Goodwin didn't have anyone touch that ball it went right through his hand, so he could have come down with it. So that play was fun. Uh, I noted a fun little um, outside zone windback where the, where the running back is on his outside zone course fake and then slides back underneath into the flat. I thought that was a fun wrinkle. They had some good play action concepts, including a little throwback to Elijah Moore. I really liked. But again, offensively in this one, gnarly weather. You're going to try to run it a ton. To be able to run for 206 yards, including that fun touchdown run from Watson where they, they clearly went to the line, gave the can call, all that stuff. I wrote that up uh, for OBR subscribers, that audible that, that Alex Van Pelt was credited for putting in on Saturday. Watson 
was able to decipher it at the line of scrimmage, make the audible, make the check, get into the right play. They blocked it up extremely well. That was a lot of fun, right? So this is a game you're trying to survive. You're trying to take care of the football as much as you can. And really what's interesting is the Browns actually took care of the football worse than Cincinnati. They were, you know, two turnovers of the Browns to zero for Cincinnati, but the Browns forced Cincy into so many punts, it ended up being sort of a, a net wash there. But, you know, in games like these, you you just look to almost the way of looking at it is, is a survive in advance theory, right? Just do what you have to do to win in these scenarios and you'll, you know, you'll, you'll feel okay coming out of it. And again, I thought the Browns game plan put players in a position to succeed. I thought Watson missed a couple throws, but some of those throws that you thought he missed were driven by some pressure stuff that hit, that hit at the wrong time uh, to, to complete some of those throws. So again, Watson wasn't great. I thought he missed some, but if you, if you hear, you know, Stefanski talk about the sideways rain. You hear what came out from Cincinnati. Like, it just was worse than you thought it was. So I'm not all too concerned about that right now. It looks like some good weather. I, I shouldn't say that. I've been bad at predicting this stuff on these pods. The weather is supposed to be better in Pittsburgh on Monday night. So let's talk about player grades on the offensive side. Um, looking first at the collective group. Nick Chubb leads with the 76.6. I thought he played really well. I only had a couple times where I thought he missed a run lane. Um, but he did a pretty nice job finding those cutbacks, took care of the football, usual contact balance, excellence, all of that is right there. Um, Joel Batonio grades out really well, especially pass blocking. Jack Conklin was strong in his 22 snaps. Unfortunately, he was, um, as we know, ACL, MCL. We talked about that with Andrew a minute ago. Amari Cooper graded out well. I thought he had a good game, especially after that really weird fall with the with his foot slipped for the for the knee stuff there. So, Elijah Moore graded out well, thought he had a nice game. Again, he's one of the guys that can separate against man coverage, did a good job. A um, couple times you'd hope you make a man miss in space, and maybe when the footing is a little bit more concrete, he'll have a chance to do that. But he had that great 19-yard reverse field play, too, to create some uh, some 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 additional um, you know yardage for the Browns on a drive that that play typically doesn't go for that kind of result. So like that effort from him. Watson ends up with a 63.1 passing grade. His run grade was strong because... He took advantage of his legs and did a great job. Wyatt Teller, great pass blocking grade. The run blocking grade wasn't as strong as you'd hope. Posich a 63.9. Uh, David Njoku a 63.5 with a strong pass block, and I thought his run blocking was uh, pretty strong. They didn't give him a great grade, but you know I think it was good enough. 66 Donovan Peoples-Jones snaps, kind of average across the board. Only 11 snaps for Cedric Tillman, mostly late in the game. Bit of a surprise. Jerome Ford plays 30 snaps. Gets a good pass blocking grade for a guy who was on the field on third down several times, so you like to see that. Uh, again, the fumble really hurts his overall. Dewan Jones gets a 49.7. Really stellar in pass blocking with a 77.8, but the run blocking 38.4. I think there's some blown assignments. So I did not think it was that bad. He went the wrong way on an outside zone play. I don't know what is it with outside zone, but in the preseason he would have all these times where, uh, I shouldn't say all these times, one time a game where it feels like he just goes the wrong direction. So maybe he's not hearing the check or he's not understanding in the, in the huddle what direction, however the Browns call it, whether they're calling it with like an 18 or 19 or however they're calling that. Usually even numbers are right, odd numbers are left. He's just not picking that up uh, all too well. But I thought for coming in 52 snaps, man, it was pretty good. We'll dig into the details in a moment. Jedrick Wills, these are guys at the bottom. Jedrick Wills had a 44.3. He graded out really poorly in the run stuff, pass stuff. He was below 60 as well. Uh, we got to work on his pass sets. Joe Thomas talked on Cleveland Browns Daily about this. He is leaving himself vulnerable to inside counters. And, again, not understanding quarterback depth. So, like, 
you want to encourage your man to run the arc in certain scenarios and he's not doing that and then he's getting himself too parallel which is creating an easy inside arm lift to be able to get back inside as the quarterback's climbing the pocket get back inside and attack the quarterback it's just it was not very clean for Jedrick Wills in this game and it's something we've said over the years I mean there are good moments on tape right and Joe Thomas also talked about he's got a refined set of, of, of mechanics and everything is there, but it's the mental stuff to always know where your quarterback's going to be, what, t- what type of drop it is that's just not clicking all the time. So uh, in this one, I think Jedrick Wills was probably the biggest problem on the offensive line. Um, like we said, uh, Marquis Goodwin, I think they docked him for some drops, uh, at least one. The second one was a nice play from the corner. Watson just couldn't get enough on it because the Bengals drew up a really nice blitz scheme to overload and create a free runner at Watson. Then David Bell gets the worst grade in his 10 snaps as he dropped that seam ball that should have been caught. Getting a bit more granular now, Watson, 16 of 29, 154 yards, a touchdown interception. He had a big-time throw in this one, one big-time throw, which was that first-down throw over the extended hand of Mike Hilton to uh, in, inside of a couple minutes left there to, to put the Browns into a good spot to eventually score that touchdown before half. I think that's where they give him the big-time throw. There were two drops. They did not give him a turnover-worthy throw, largely because that ball was tipped, even though I think he's responsible for the tip because he's kind of throwing across his body there. I didn't love that decision. He had um, three, uh, two drops, I'm sorry. Uh, so, so two drops were documented. I talked about David Bell, and then I, I'm not off the top of my head remembering uh, exactly where the other one was, but... Um, not bad at all. He So he had a couple throws that he was, uh, three of which he was hit as he threw, which impacted accuracy. He was 13 of 21 when kept clean. His best passing grade came when he was kept clean. He had that one big time throw, threw for 119 yards and a touchdown. Under pressure, he was three of eight for, and 13 dropbacks, three of eight. So the Bengals came and got pressure on him 13 times. Like I said, three of eight for 35 yards and interception came in that scenario too. So that's his worst pass grade. And and when he wasn't blitzed, he was um, nine of 16. So they, on 20 dropbacks blitzed, sorry, 15 dropbacks, they blitzed Watson. So we had 20 where he wasn't blitzed, had 99 yards in that interception arrived. But then when he was blitzed, he was seven of 13, 55 yards of touchdown. So he was pretty good when they brought an extra player, which is obviously noteworthy. His best work came in play action where he was 10 of 14 for 117 yards and a touchdown. His depth throws were his best throws, 20-plus yards downfield, one of three for 33 yards, three of eight in the medium range, 10 of 19 for 43 yards, and then short, he was 10 of 13 for 70 yards. So that's Watson's day. Looking at the receiving stuff for the day, I want to make sure we uh, pin down some of the receiver grades and look at look at the collective group here. So Jordan Aikens uh, had the highest mark. He had one catch for 12 yards. Harrison Bryant receives a high mark. Two targets, two catches, five yards. Chubb ended up getting 21 yards on four catches. We thought he would the 13.5 number was going to be low. It ended up being uh, exactly right. The four catches for him actually led the entire group. Amari Cooper was three catches on five targets for 37. He had 15 wide slot snaps and seven in the slot for Cooper, which is encouraging moving him around. The leader in slot snaps, Elijah Moore, with 18. He also had 10 wide snaps and then he had several in the backfield as well Moore had six targets which led the team he had three catches 43 yards and Joku had two targets sorry three targets two catches 24 and receives a strong pass blocking grade which I thought was obvious too they did uh, throw the drops to um, I was talking a second ago I couldn't remember the other drop that was the ball that hit Marquise Goodwin in the hands down the goal line off that trick play 
So those are your two two drops. Only two contested catch opportunities. Elijah Moore, Marquis Goodwin. I think that'll uptick when the weather gets a little bit better. Missed tackle forced. Only one from Jordan Aikens and one from Elijah Moore. You'd like to see that uptick a little bit more. So that's your receiving marks. Rushing grades in this one. The best run grade went to Nick, who had 18 carries, 106 yards. He had five carries of 10 or more yards. He had nine equal nine snaps of gap, nine snaps of zone. He forced three missed tackles, which is on the low end for him. And then he had one breakaway 15-yard-plus run, ran for seven first downs. Elijah Moore had those two carries, one that he reversed field on, another one was an outside zone into the boundary. He forced a missed tackle, ended up with 19 yards. Deshaun had uh, two attempts for 45. That doesn't include scrambling, obviously. He made a play. Uh, uh, these are just designed runs. So he had that 13-yard touchdown run. He had actually three runs of 10 yards or more, which is which is really encouraging when you add in the scramble, because you want to see those 10 plus yard quarterback runs. Uh, Jerome Ford had 15 carries, 36 yards, only a 2.4 yard average. He did force four missed tackles had one 10 yard run. He had that fumble, which obviously really hurt him uh, as, as far as grading goes, but I thought he was fine. I mean, the, the majority of those carries, like eight of them arrived after, you know, the game was settled and it was just the Bengals playing the run more than anything else. So not surprised that that happened. Wyatt Teller, Joel Batonio, David Njoku, all above 80 in your pass blocking, did not give up any pressures. Now, David only had five pass block reps, and and uh, Teller and Batonio had 35. So your guards played extremely well in the pass protection phase, did not give, give up any pressures. The Browns allowed nine pressures in just uh, the, the true pass blocking setup here, three of which came from Ethan Posich, who gave up three hurries, a 66.5 grade. They gave four pressures to Jedrick Wills, two hurries, a hit, and a sack. And then they gave another sack, the early early play in the game. I think the second drive, I th- it might be the second drive. I'm not totally sure I remember that perfectly. Uh, they gave that sack on a, on a split zone where Jordan Aikens kind of gave up on that play way too early. They gave him a sack. So that accounts for your two sacks. Uh, Dewan Jones, like I said, a 77.80. He had 20 pass block reps, including nine of which were in true pass sets. He did not allow pressure. Jedrick Wills had 13 true pass sets, and he allowed uh, three of those four pressures in those scenarios. And that accounts for um, five of which happened, right, in the game because Postage had the other two. So uh, that's your pass blocking look. I thought they were they were fine. If Jed gets things ironed out, they'll be in an even better spot, in my opinion. Run blocking, just the Bengals loaded the box and did a great job of defending this stuff. So it's a little tricky, in my opinion. Postage, Teller. Petonio, Jedrick Wills, they all had 39. Um, Jack Conklin had seven. Um, Dewan Jones had 32. So Dewan gets your worst grade of 38.4. And again, it's it's the little things that they're they're picking apart for him, a 39.0 in gap blocking. Petonio had a 75.7 in zone blocking. They said Jedrick Wills struggled in both phases. I didn't think he was that bad, but they gave him a 35 in zone. They gave him a 45 in, um, in gap concept. So... Not the best blocked game from your offensive line, and if you're able to still churn out 206 rushing yards, you feel pretty good about that. So that's your offense. I thought, again, uh, I liked it because the game plan forced the Browns to play in a way that didn't unveil some of the things I think they want to do or be more, let me say it this way, be a bit more consistently different in their offense. They did, you know, un un unroll some wrinkles that they're going to be, but I think that they want to be a bit more 11 personnel gun heavy 
and this game forced them because of the weather to be a bit more under center and a bit more traditional to who they have been. So we'll switch to defense now. Uh, and again, a fun game. You get three guys graded extremely well. You get a 90 from Miles. You get a 90.5 from Zadarius. And then you get a 91.3 from Grant Delpit. Those are three great games from three three important players. And you get a really strong score from Greg Newsom as well. So then it's like, all right, that's that's what you need. You get Shelby Harris playing well in his 23 snaps. Dalvin Tomlinson in his 35 playing well. Then it's like, I thought Martin Emerson... And Denzel Ward played extremely well, but they did not receive great grades. But I thought they were fantastic. And I even thought Rodney McLeod was where he was supposed to be and doing a lot of great things in his reps, too. And like JOK graded with the 43. But I'm watching this, I'm watching this stuff, and I'm like, I, I don't see these guys performing as poorly as these grades are. Their defense was stellar. Um you can pinpoint something here or there that maybe a guy was slightly out of position, but the collective hole was in a really good spot. And I thought they they handled Cincinnati from the very start. We'll see when the weather's a bit better. If you know some of this was driven by the weather, if all of it was driven by the weather, what percentage of it you have to throw to that? But again, just great stuff from from so many of these guys. Grant Double played his best game as a pro, fifty five snaps. He ended up getting one pressure. He had eight tackles, five stop tackles, which he'll continue to be one of the best safeties playing down in the box and creating stop tackles. That's so encouraging to see he gave up four catches on seven targets for just 14 yards had a pass breakup on t higgins on that slot fade and he was diverse he was 20 snaps in the box 20 snaps at free safety and 15 snaps in the slot you love to see that right um, guys who played the slot 10 from ronnie mcleod two from jok bumped outside and then the other snaps in the slot came from 41 from greg newsome so again uh, that's kind of the indicator that greg is going to be inside and i thought greg played his butt off man he really did. Uh, coming up and tackling, he had he had a couple tackles. He had three tackles, which is great to see. He had a stop tackle down near the line of scrimmage. He ended up giving up only, uh, as far as coverage goes, two catches for three yards for 18 total. Two catches on three targets, apologize, for 18 total, along of 12. And that was the, the early down stack formation, the first drive, third down, that the Bengals were able to get that one first down. They only had two first downs on third down the entire game that when they got him with a little alignment mix up and Newsom needed to be outside more and ready to jump the outbreaking route. And he kind of got caught on the vertical from number two inside caused him some trouble. It's a good teaching moment for film. Um, you know, Shelby Harris played well. He had three tackles and I can't say enough about Dalvin Thomas and Shelby Harris, just how well they're doing their jobs and how much that is night and day different than what we've seen in the past. Super encouraging stuff from them. You like both of them. Jordan Elliott didn't grade well, but I thought, again, I thought he was kind of fine when he was out there. I didn't think he hurt them by any stretch. His pass rush was fine. He had a pressure. So those are your, you know, those are your interior players. Maurice Hurst played 17 snaps and he was active. I thought he, he looks the part. His pass rush grade was not stellar. He was kind of average as far as grading goes, but I was encouraged by him. Alex Wright played 15 snaps, which you like to see. He's got to get a bit better at getting more inside, setting up, getting inside. He doesn't run the arc well enough, and that could be driven by coming back from the injury. Not totally sure on that one, but didn't look as athletic as he normally does, but he's still so strong, and I just see some interior reps happening for him over time. Um, other things of note, Anthony Walker was rotating with Taki Taki, 33 snaps for Walk, 23 for Taki Taki, both playing Mike while JOK is playing, is playing your will. I thought both of those guys played really well. 
I would love to see them keep rotating them because I think it help it helps build Sione, you know, as both guys are coming off injury, but it helps build confidence for Taki Taki. Uh, working, you know, his way back, same with Walk, and like I just think that there's a future role for Taki and Mike that I think is a chance to be really fun. The Browns only played two snaps of base where they brought on a third linebacker. So they're living in nickel, right? Forty nine snaps of nickel, six snaps of dime, where they put Delpit down at linebacker and took a linebacker off the field, which I like that wrinkle of having Delpit kind of come down and play as a second level player. So encouraging stuff. I saw a graphic that came out that had posted something about the Browns played a ton of middle of the field pre-snap to middle of the field open post-snap. And I did not, that's not what they did. They sure they showed more open to closed open before the snap to closed after than anything of the contrary. They played 21 snaps of cover one. They played 19 snaps of cover three. So obviously your, your closed coverage there is 39 snaps of 50, I think there's 57 total snaps for the Bengals, so that tells you a story in and of itself that that's what they're doing. They played 10 snaps of cover two, and they got really funky. I really like how well they handled their coverage stuff. Like They were doing some invert cover two stuff, driving the middle safety down and playing some deep cover two, kind of rolling two hard flat defenders out wide. and like They, they were just mixing it up in a great way. They played Four snaps of cover six, one snap of perhaps quarters. It could have been misconstrued for something else, but it's labeled as quarters. Um, I just was really encouraged by the diversity that they showed in coverage, the willingness to play man. And then, you know, like I've, I've noted on Twitter, you know, their, their ability to rotate out of pre to post looks. They played 39 snaps of closed and 15 snaps of open coverage. That will change over time. The weather might have dictated some of what they did there. But we all want to know if Jim Schwartz is going to diversify. And we don't get our answer here in week one. But I do like that he diversified pre to post and was not just sitting with a single high safety all the time. They were rolling Grant and Rodney down given scenario, you know, whatever the field strength is or or whatever they wanted to do to sort of jump underneath routes. They just did a really nice job. And like I said, they threw some really funky cover two looks at them. And dropped out Miles in coverage a couple times, which I thought was really interesting. Two times he dropped out, it was kind of a fun wrinkle where they were expecting him to pressure. And then as we know, the uh, Bengals struggled with it. You do not normally see teams pressure um, Joe Burrow blitz him. That's not very common. The Browns blitzed him on twenty, or sorry, 13 dropbacks. And in those 13 dropbacks, sorry, uh, yeah, 13 dropbacks, Burrow was 3 of 12 for 23 yards and he was sacked one time in there as well so you get him to throw it away once you get him sacked once you get a bunch of pressures in there six pressures like that is the perfect result and it kept burrow really uncomfortable and i can't give the defense enough credit for that result you know looking at the collective of some of these other marks here uh, specifically pass rush miles had a 90.3 pass rush grade six pressures a sack, two quarterback hits, three hurries. Darius had six pressures as well, four hits, two hurries. Those two led the charge. Dalvin had a, had a, a pressure. You get a bunch of guys with one pressure. Walk on a blitz. Delpit on a really fun blitz where the middle part they they overload in the middle part of wide open, and he got pressure on Joe on a third down. Okoronkwo had twenty two pass rush reps. He only had one pressure. He did have a sack, that cleanup sack, after Miles is doing the crossover there uh, over the center early in the game. 
Uh, would like to see a little bit more from Orlando Brown's not a great matchup for him. That length really messed with him. Jordan Elliott rounds out the pressure group, but a bunch of guys I thought collectively up front, they just were fast. They were getting after and the Bengals weren't horrible on the offensive line. I don't think, but I think Cleveland just played fast and it made Burrow extremely uneasy and covered your highest grades. Grant Delpit, Greg Newsom, Anthony Walker, there was nobody below 50, so that tells you that the coverage was pretty stellar throughout. You get JOK to 59.6. You get Ronnie Hickman when they wanted to be three safeties. That's obviously going to be Juan Thornhill. They were not afraid to, to go three safeties. Hickman played, I think, 12 snaps in this game. So when they wanted to go three safety packages, he was coming on the field. When they went dime, he was coming on the field. I thought he was fine. He was where he was supposed to be. Nothing remarkable. It wasn't challenged, but again... Just like to see that willingness to not throw the game plan out because Thornhill didn't end up going in this game. Um, Emerson and Denzel Ward, those those coverage grades kind of mystify me. Ward gave up 4 of 8 for 26 yards. Emerson 1 of 6 for 6 yards, and both of them are in the high 50s in coverage. I think somebody had talked on social about Emerson getting beat for a touchdown, but there was pressure that got to Burrow. I guess. <laughs> I guess. That's fine. I just thought they played better than what those grades indicate. So, listen, stellar defensive game plan. Aided, again, by the weather. We get that. But they had Joe uncomfortable. They were changing looks pre-snap to post-snap. The blitz stuff was really fun. They were using miles in a variety of ways. I think we should all be really excited to see what that looks like in Pittsburgh. Uh, When the weather's a little better, that excuse is removed. Can they get inside Kenny Pickett's head a little bit? There were no... I I only saw one time that I thought there was a blown coverage and, and, and by... Uh, the coverage stuff like that they collect, there's a chart that gets put out there about blown coverages or perfectly covered plays for offenses and defenses. The Browns' offense did really well. They were the upper right-hand corner of this quadrant, which means the offense got people open. They were not perfectly covered plays uh, against your offense. And then the defense was also highly up on this thing. Again, you always want to be in the upper right-hand quadrant in these things. He um, He charted the Browns as having the highest or close to the highest mark of perfectly covered plays by their coverage guys. So I did notice one time the Bengals ran in orbit motion and two players jumped outside. It left, I think, Tyler Boyd running up the seam and the safety could not get there quick enough to impact it. Uh, luckily, Zadarius Smith was uh, so quick to create havoc, it stopped that pass from being completed. But that is uh, just something I wanted to point out. The only one I noticed on film. And as we know, in early portions of the seasons the last few years, the Browns have struggled to cover Uh, and communicate the right way. So it's encouraging to see. Special teams were good. The opening kickoff they allowed to go past the 35, out to about the 30-35. But after that, they tightened everything up. They did a good job of adjusting kick coverage after that. Guys who were on the field for 65-plus percent of those snaps, they they would be deemed, um, you know, probably your core special teams group as of right now. Mike Ford, who had a great game. Uh, Matthew Adams, Cameron Mitchell, DeAnthony Bell and Tony Fields are your core. So guys who are on the 30% or more group of the snaps and specials, Rodney McLeod, Anthony Walker, Mahmoud Diabate, Pierre Strong, who had a couple nice reps, JOK, Taki Taki, uh, Jordan Elliott out there a lot in sort of the punt and punt return and, and, the, and the field goal stuff, like just a big body. And then DPJ obviously out there as well doing his return duties. It's... um. It was fine. It was a good game. I mean, it's highlighted by Dustin Hopkins making all of his kicks, extra points, and his three field goals. That's what you want. But I thought the punting from Bjorquez was exceptional. There was one punt that did not go very well for him, but his punting grade was a 64.3 impacted by that. But 
I thought he flipped the field, had great hang time. I, I was I was pleasantly surprised, and I'm, I shouldn't be because when he gets a hold of it, he really gets a hold of it. But when you punt seven times, forty three point nine net, long of sixty six, those long punts just change the total feel of things. And you know the one punt that was bad, I think it was right out of halftime. You know it has a way of changing the feel of the games. The game's ten nothing at that point. It's a bad punt. They're at the fit like forty five. You're their own forty five. It just changes the feel. So you you want to avoid those as often as you can, but. I just thought, for the most part, most of his kicks from Bjorkos were really strong and changed field position. The Browns covered it well. Like I said, Mike Ford did a great job as a gunner. Uh, Cam Mitchell has to get better, but I thought he did a relatively good job. And other grades from the day on specials that were really good. Uh, Matthew Adams had that 81.5. He had two tackles. Uh, Pierre Strong graded well at the bottom. I mean, they're all 50s kind of down there at the bottom. I don't think anybody was really bad necessarily. Uh, but they're, you know, kind of giving them average marks. But I thought Matthew Adams was good. I thought Mike Ford was good as a gunner. Uh, other than that, there was a very quiet day in special teams. A lot of downed kicks that uh, were touchbacks. A lot of fair catches were made. And it was quiet. And the kicking, you know, the kicking game went through. And, and you obviously saw, um, you know, Evan McPherson miss a kick, which is so rare for the Browns to not only be perfect on their end in kicks, but for an opposing kicker to miss a kick, which feels like most of them have uh, have been making all of them inside Cleveland Brown Stadium. So it's good to see a miss every now and again. It was a 50-yarder, right? I think it may have even been 52. The Bengals didn't get into the red zone at all. So it wasn't an easy kick by any means, but it was a nice momentum shifter to get that football back off of a missed kick. So listen, you should feel great about this game. This is an encouraging start. We'll see if they can jump to their their first 2-0 and start to a season since... I think 1993, if I if I remember uh, the data looking looking that up correctly. So a, a really awesome opportunity against the Steelers. We'll have a lot of content coming up this week on how the Browns beat the Steelers, what they have to do. We'll talk to a guest. They're in a difficult spot in Pittsburgh with a couple injuries. But enjoy this win over the Bengals and enjoy winning the home opener on, on week one, which does not happen often enough. A, a bunch of really good vibes around the Browns right now. So exciting episodes to come this week. Plenty of content to be delivered to you. Keep checking out the OBR Film Breakdown. Give Mike Skinner a follow if you have any audio needs. We appreciate that. Join the OBR. Great offers going on for annual subscriptions. And then rate and review the pod so Browns fans can find it when they search Cleveland Browns Podcast. I appreciate all of you so much. A lot of kind words recently. You know that means a lot to us for the effort that we put in over here. So, yeah, have a fantastic Tuesday. Sorry about the tardiness of this episode. If it happens to find you on Wednesday, have a great Wednesday. Thanks for being here and listening, and go Browns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.